If you'll take your copy of God's Word and find your place in Exodus chapter number 33. Exodus number 33, as we continue to think about and consider these days, revive us again. <clears throat> we're, we're talking on Sunday mornings about the importance of corporate revival, how God at very unique and sovereign times moves among His people in an extraordinary way and brings revival to them corporately. On Wednesday nights, if you can join me online, we're talking about the importance of daily personal revival. There's not a Christian in this room who does not need every single day reviving power from the Holy Spirit of God to live as God intends for you to live. We come back to Exodus chapter 32, 33, 34. These are pivotal, critical times in the life of the children of Israel. And today we come back to look especially at uh, Exodus 33, beginning in verse number 7. So I'd like for you to stand now in honor of the reading of God's Word. I'm going to go back and read a little earlier to bring you back to uh, where we were last week and tie together uh, what we read last week and looked at and then what we'll be looking at today. Exodus 33, beginning in verse number 3, God says to Moses, Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, because you are an obstinate people, and I might destroy you on the way. <clears throat> when the people heard this sad word, they went into mourning, and none of them put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, <clears throat> Say to the sons of Israel, You are an obstinate people. Should I go up in your midst for one moment, I would destroy you. Now therefore put off your ornaments from you, that I may know what I shall do with you. So the sons of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Now our focus for today. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who <clears throat> sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, <clears throat> which was outside the camp. And it came about whenever Moses went out to the tent that all the people would arise and stand each at the entrance of his tent and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. <clears throat> Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people <clears throat> saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship, each at the entrance of his tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your wonderful presence among us. How we pray that you might be pleased with us who stand before you in this assembly today. As you look on our hearts and our minds, may you see the motivations and intents of our life. 
Please, we ask, Lord, that you not withdraw your face, but that your gracious presence would be among us today, and that the wonderful Holy Spirit of God would stir the hearts of every single person who hears my voice today, whether they are here or whether they tune in electronically, we pray that the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God would speak to their hearts. We pray these days that you might give us an understanding of real Holy Spirit-sent revival. We pray that you might help us today to be serious about our own walk with God individually. We pray that you might help us today to be serious about the church work that you've given this particular body of believers to do till Jesus comes. We pray for revival in the global church. We pray for awakening in the world as your people learn to pray. Help us to do our job and help us to do it well. We need your help, Lord. And how we pray that today you would make us hearers and doers of your word. And may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Each week I try to give you a focal point. There are many various things we could teach about in these words, but we're considering revival today, the focal truth today, primarily coming from verse number 7, but I will look and comment down through verse number 11 if you'll keep your Bible out, is this. God meets His people when they seek Him in prayer. God meets His people when they seek Him in prayer. Now you'd say, Pastor Mike, that seems like such an obvious thing, but it seems to be such a problem among God's people. We seek to do all other things, but we don't seek God. We put other priorities first in our life, but we don't seek God. We are busy people, but are we a praying people? So these are the things we must consider if we understand Real revival. What did we learn last week? Well, I'll take you through it before I get to uh, some things I want to ask you and then some observations. If you go back and look at verse number three, a terrible, horrible statement comes from God to the children of Israel. He says, I will not go up in your midst. I'm not going with you. Oh, can we imagine the horror If we were to hear God say to First Baptist Church, we've done our planning, we've done our work, and God says, I'm not going with you. I'm not going to bless you with my, as we talked about last week, God withdrew His gracious presence. Oh yes, God's presence is always with us. But when there is sin among God's people, He withdraws His gracious presence. This is such an important lesson for us if we understand revival. Where's the power of God? Where's the work of God? Where's the glory of God? Where's the fire of God? That all goes with the relational presence of God. And when it is withdrawn from a church, a church only becomes simply formal and business-like and going through the motions, but there is no power there. So God said, I'm not going with you, verse number 3. You're an obstinate, stubborn people. You won't repent. You won't get right. You won't give up the things that give you a worldliness and an Egyptian-like mentality. And so God said uh, these things, and the people were sad. In fact, verse 4, they went into mourning. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn for their spiritual condition. Blessed are those who mourn for the wickedness of the world. Blessed are those who mourn and have sorrow when the church 
is powerless to do its work. They were sad. They went into mourning and none of them put on their ornaments. They were still carrying their Egyptian clothing and jewelry to remind them of where they'd come from. But the place where God delivered them and God said in 5, Moses, here's your sermon. Tell them, number one, you're obstinate people. You refuse to listen to me. And if I go up among you, I'll destroy you. I can't, I can't connect myself to those who are in sin. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And verse 6, so what did they do? The children of Israel in this occasion did the right thing. They mourned because the gracious presence of God had been withdrawn. <clears throat> God called them to repent and take off their Egyptian ornaments Verse 6, so the sons of men stripped themselves of their ornaments and from the mountain of the law of God, Mount Horeb, onward, they did not carry their Egyptian clothing and jewelry. They left it in the wilderness. That's repentance. That's turning from those things that keep us from God. But there are some, anytime you come to talk about revival, there are some among God's people who simply say, well, Turning from my sin, uh, doing what I need to do for God, that must be for somebody else. I'm all right. What did we learn in 2 Chronicles? And if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Surely there's no one in this building today or within the sound of my voice who would say, I have no sin in my life that I need to repent of as a Christian. Surely not. If you are, you're living in self-arrogance and self-righteousness, and God resists those who live in such a way. So we here see these very important words that they stripped themselves of their ornaments and they repented of sin. So I ask you some questions before we get started today, as I seek to do always. What are you seeking in your life today? What is it that you seek in your life today? What is the, most what is the greatest priority you have? Is it seeking the, the applause of people? Is it seeking to make your employer happy? Is it seeking someone else's approval in your life? Is it seeking riches and treasure and possessions? What are you seeking today? You see, you're, you're up and about doing something in your life. You've made a commitment in your life every day to live, to seek something. What are you seeking today? And how would you describe your prayer life? I challenge you to think about repentance last week. But if we're to understand revival, it comes with repentance and putting off the old ways and turning to God in prayer brings, brings the environment for God to send revival. It's always that way. It's always that way in God's Word. It's never changed, even in 2020. And in these days of inconvenience, pestilence, trouble, griping, complaining, hatred, anger, whatever you want to call it, these are days for God's people to humble themselves and pray. It is our priority and our responsibility. I ask you today, what's the condition of your prayer life? Did you even pray today? When you woke up today, have you even spoken to the Lord? Have you even spoken with Him? Have you spent any time? Have you prayed? Have you prayed for revival? I've asked this church to do it. 
Some will, most won't. Are you praying for God to send revival to this place? Do you really, <clears throat> do you really even believe this church needs revival? Do you really even care if this church has revival? Are you praying for revival? Are you praying for the global church to be revived? If God's people pray and if God's people do what they're to do, there can be another great awakening come to our world before Jesus comes. And that's what must happen. Is there any burden on any of our hearts for the lost? Do we pray for our enemies? Who do we pray for if we pray? Do we even pray for those who don't pray for themselves? And do you desire to seek God and to know Him better? Is that a priority in your life? Well, all of these things come from these verses today. And this is my challenge to you today, as well as to myself, to consider how I seek God in prayer. And so I'm going to challenge you about your relationship with God. You may have once sought God fervently, strongly, but now you've kind of moved into a new pattern. You're very busy. You have a lot of things to do. You have a schedule to keep. You got to get back to normal, right? That's what we've got to do. Normal got you in the shape you're in. You don't want to go back to normal. You want to go back to the supernatural. You want to go back to that which God gives. And so here we see it. This desire of God's people to pray and for Moses to pray. And we come to this strange, what a transition this is in the Word of God. And there are many in here who are very knowledgeable of your Bible. And I'm grateful in our church. We have a lot of great teachers. We have many who understand the Scriptures. But I call your attention to this, this bizarre, strange transition in Exodus 33. Verse 6, So the sons of Israel stripped themselves of, the orna of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward, now Moses. It's just, it's so common. It's such a strange transition. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp. A good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. This was not the tabernacle. This was another tent. So we learn today, we, our focus is upon this strange, strange procedure of Moses about setting up and erecting this tent. So I have for you four observations from these words today, and I, I'll put them on the screen for you so that you have them, because they help us to understand the great importance of prayer for revival, doing it God's way. And so we learn today that God's people need a private place to seek God. Secondly, we'll see that God's people need to practice seeking God. This needs to become the practice of life to seek God. Third, we'll talk about God's people need persistence in seeking God. And then we're going to see Moses, who really is an example, a pattern for praying boldly to God as an intercessor. All of these things are important. Many, many things could be done. I could spend a lot of weeks talking about these truths individually. <clears throat> but as we move along thinking about revival, we're thinking these days about revival praying. Revival praying. There's revival repentance and there's revival praying. Will we be a church that lives and prays 
for God's revival to come? And will we be a people who pray to know God and to seek Him better? That's the question that we must answer. So we come first of all, God's people need a private place to praise. This is such as, now Moses used to take. This is the common practice is what we're reading here in Scripture. This was the pattern of Moses. <clears throat> Throughout all the wilderness journeys, Moses used to take the tent. He takes this tent, just a tent in the wilderness. He takes this tent and he pitches it outside the camp. When they were, <clears throat> they were passing through the wilderness <clears throat> all those days, we discover that the children of Israel had their tent that they lived in and their family lived in. And they gathered all the tents together in one place. But as we read here, Moses would take this tent and place it outside the camp a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. Now let me talk about the tent in the wilderness. It's just one tent. It's just a tent in the wilderness. Just a tent in the wilderness. In the vastness of the wilderness, just a tent. It reminds us of the importance of a private place to seek God, for it was called the tent of meeting. The Jewish rabbis in their tradition speculating on verse number 7 and talking about this comment, this phrase about he pitched it outside the camp a good distance from the camp. They debate the length and the space of time. The majority of the rabbis say, well, it was about a half a mile from the camp. All oh, you country people out here, you know what it is when something's a half a mile away. Yonder, isn't that what you say out here in the country? Yonder there is a tent half a mile away from the camp. And Moses would every place they go, no matter what their condition of complaining, griping, whatever condition the children, everywhere they would go, Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp a good distance from the camp. You see, it was the tent of meeting. This Hebrew word for meeting is a word that means appointment. The tent to meet God. The tent where I have an appointment with God. If I'm going to get serious about my spiritual life, if I'm ever going to move away from carnality and compromise and ask the Holy Spirit of God to fill me, I must first go to the private place and seek God. The Tent is in the wilderness. It's a half mile from everybody else. It's in a place where no one's going to hear what you say. No one's going to understand what you're doing. You see, the most important appointment of your day is your time to seek God. The most needy thing, the most necessary appointment of your day is to seek and meet God. It was the, it was the tent of meeting used by Moses and the people of God in the wilderness to pray. As they went across the wilderness, God led them. As they were in the wilderness, God guided them. He was present with them. He spoke His Word and gave the law of God to them. He saved them and provided for them over and over and over. But here, in all of the story of the children of Israel passing from Egypt into the promised land, we discover this solitary tent always pitched outside the camp. 
It was a single tent, a movable tent. A tent for prayer, not for sleeping. It was a spiritual tent, a fellowship tent. It was a tent that it, it drew you, it called you. Come and meet with me in prayer. Well, we read about the Lord Jesus in His own life, the private matter of prayer. The Son of God, our dear Lord and Savior, in His earthly ministry, He teaches us, oh dear church, the vital importance of spending time with God. Luke 5, 16, Jesus would often slip away to the wilderness to pray. The Lord Jesus Christ, with all power, all authority, as a, as a man like us, fully human, fully divine, He went to pray. He spent time with the Father. He sought Him out. What did He say to us all to do, who are followers of the Lord Jesus? He said, and when you pray, go to your secret place, your inner closet, whatever you want to call it, and pray in secret, privacy, to your heavenly Father who will see you in secret. It's private. There's a tent out here. It's a half a mile from the children of Israel's camp. And this tent beckons them to come and seek God privately. Do you seek God privately? Have you found time in your schedule to have an appointment with God, to meet God. Appointment, first appointment on your day schedule. Meet with God. Last appointment of the day, meet with God. Oh, we want God's favors, we want His grace, we want His kindness, but we won't spend our time. What would happen if you got with God privately? I'll tell you what would happen. The Holy Spirit of God would start to deal with you and show you things about yourself that you must confess. The Lord would begin to show you things about His ways and His Word and what He has to say to you. I'm not calling for you to study here in this place. Go to the tent of meeting, the tent of appointment, and seek God. The second thing, God's people need to practice seeking God. What do we read here? Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp. He called it the tent of meeting. And everyone, verse 7, everyone who sought the Lord, everyone who sought the Lord, do you see it there in your Bible, would go out to the tent. It takes effort to meet God. It takes practice to meet God. Everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. You see, God's people sought the Lord. Everyone who sought the Lord wanted to know God better. And they saw it because Moses sought the Lord. Some sought the Lord at the tent of meeting. Some watched Moses, as we read here, seek the Lord at the tent of meeting. And some never went to the tent of meeting. That's the condition of the world today. Again, I say to you, if I know the Lord Jesus Christ, if I have been saved, one of the greatest desires of my life is to seek the God who has saved me. To know Him better. To grow in, His, in my relationship with Him. To talk to Him 
about how I might understand His ways and what He is doing. To seek to be with Him. We seek to be with all kinds of other people. We seek gold and silver and prosperity. We seek favor. We, but do you seek time with God? This is what has to happen for revival even to be prepared to come. The desire of seeking God in prayer is a sure mark that God's people are being prepared that God might come among them and revive them. Well, this word that is used here, to they sought the Lord, it is the word to search in Hebrew. When I'm seeking God, I'm searching for Him. You say, well, I thought I... I didn't have to do that. Oh, my friend, it is our pursuit of God that matters. It is our earthly here in this world as we're saved and we're growing in Christ's likeness and holiness. We pursue God. We follow Him. We search to know more about God's ways and His work. That's what we do. We desire because we have a new relationship with God. We seek We search out who God is. You see, seeking God is asking, inquiring. It's searching. Those who sought the Lord went to the tent of meeting. And they went there to meet God. So that they might understand who He is and His ways. Psalm 27, 8. When you said, seek my face. This is David talking to us, here's a a privileged opportunity for us to read what was happening between David and God in his prayer closet, in his private prayer. Psalm 27, 8. When God said to David, when you said, seek my face, David said, my heart says, your face will I seek. To seek the face of God, as I have repeatedly said in these days, is to seek the favorable presence of God where He turns to us in kindness and grace and the tenderness of the Holy Spirit. But we grieve the Holy Spirit. We quench the Holy Spirit when we sin. Seeking God is what God wants from us. When Jehoshaphat was afraid, he turned his attention to seek the Lord. Is that your condition today? What is it that you search for today? The Lord Jesus said to us in talking about prayer... Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. So we see here the importance of seeking God. And everyone who sought the Lord had to go out yonder to the tent. Away from the camp. Privately practicing seeking God. And I hope you put that in your life as a part of your lifestyle. Oh, the blessedness of seeking God in the private place. Being alone with God. You see, some of us are afraid to be by ourselves with God. But don't be afraid. The most blessed, wonderful thing you can have experienced in your life is to be in the presence of the Lord and to worship and glorify Him, to adore Him, to confess sin, to thank Him for all that He's doing, and give supplication and give to Him the things that you have, the needs that you have. What did James say to us, my dear friends? Draw near to God. That's what the word prayer means. It means to come near. Draw near. Turn your soul to God, and He will draw near to you. The blessed power and glory of the 
nearness of God. You got to go to the tent. You got to get out of your family. You got to get away by yourself. Every single believer here, you must go to the tent. God's people thirdly need persistence in seeking God. And it came about, verse 8, it came about whenever Moses went out to the tent. This was his pattern. He was persistent. He went out to the tent that all the people would arise and stand at the entrance of their tent and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. There's one fact for sure that the people of God knew about Moses. He was a man of prayer, a man who met God. I say to all of my fellow fathers today and all the rest of the men in this place, do people know you to be a person of prayer? Do, do, people, do your children and your grandchildren know that you walk with God, you meet with God? Oh, you're not doing it to be seen But they stood and they saw Moses as he went in his regular, persistent pattern to the tent out there. He could have stayed in his tent while you can pray in your tent. He could have prayed as he's walking along with the children of Israel all across that wilderness. But everywhere they camped, he went out there dragging that tent and set it up. Because... We must seek God privately and we must do it regularly and with persistence. I love what Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13 says. You, this is God speaking through the prophet. You will come and pray to me and I will listen. You will call for me and find me, listen, when you search for me with all your heart. Is there any effort in your praying? You've got to get up and you've got to pray. You've got to make an appointment. You've got to schedule the time. Lord, bless me as I go. Not Lord, bless you for who you are. The people learned to pray because Moses prayed. The people prayed as Moses prayed. And Moses, what an astounding statement in verse 11 because of his persistence in being a man of prayer. Look at this. Thus the Lord used to, the same same kind of phrase as in verse 7. This was the pattern. This was the normalcy of his life. The The Lord used to speak to Moses face to face. Just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the young man would not depart from the tent. So there is persistence. That's why as Moses is known as a man of prayer, the book of Hebrews says Moses was the one who seeing saw the unseen. You see, when you pray, you see the unseen work of God in the world. Do you see what God is doing today in the world? Or are you just one of those? It's my new phrase. I've been saying Playing instead of praying, now I've got a new one. Posting instead of praying. That's it. I'll just post something on the internet. Why are you posting that? Why are you doing that? Posting instead of praying. I saw it on the news and it made my blood boil. Have you prayed about it? Did you pray for what you saw on the news? Did you present it before God? You see, when you spend time with God... 
We learn in Psalm 25, He tells you His secrets. You see the unseen hand of God at work. Oh, so much God is doing in these days. And sadly, many Christians will miss it too because we're posting and praying rather than praying. We're really mad. We've got a lot of opinions. We know what's really going on. Do you really know what's going on? What's your source, my friend? You see, there's persistence in prayer that's become important for us. The Lord Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, He said, He told a parable to His disciples this time, encouraging them that they ought to pray, listen, and not lose heart. Do you pray? Somebody said, well, I prayed one time. Well, okay, that's good. Congratulations. You prayed one time. Have you prayed again? When was the last time you prayed? About something repeatedly. Have you prayed with persistence? The Lord goes on to say, Luke 18, 7, Will not God bring justice for His elect who cry to Him day and night? Will He not delay over them long? Well, you see, this is what we must understand. We must learn to pray without losing heart. Persistent prayer. And so Moses used to take the tent outside the camp a good distance and he called it the tent of meeting. And he met God there, and he did it as his practice, and he did it with persistence. And some of the people followed his pattern. Psalm 105.4, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face continually. I ask you today, are you seeking God with persistence? You're not going to let go. What did Jacob say? I'm not going to the angel of the Lord. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. It's a wrestle. It's an effort. It's work. It's the work of prayer. Or is it praying like this? You wake up and you're barely awake anyway, barely alive. Lord, mutter, 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 amen. What in the world is that? No, I must set an appointment and be at my best, ready to present myself before God as a living and holy sacrifice to Him, useful for His work. That's when I'm getting serious. I go out to the tent of meeting. I've got an appointment. I have to step aside, family. I have to step aside, job. I have to find my time because the most important meeting I have is with God. Moses prayed boldly as an intercessor. I just read these to you. And you can follow along if you have your Bible open. 32.12, Moses said, Lord, turn from your anger from these people. 32.13, remember your promises, Lord, to these people. Uh, 32.32, forgive them of their sins. And what do we read? These astounding words as Moses interceded and prayed for God's people. So the Lord changed his mind. Exodus 32.14, about harm, which he said he would do to his people. You see, some of us think that prayer is trying to talk God out of something. It's, it's the idea that prayer somehow is seeking to overcome God's reluctance when the reality is prayer is taking hold of God's willingness to save sinners and forgive them. So we join Him in prayer. We come to God appealing to His willingness. What did Peter say to us all, church? The Lord is not willing that any should perish. That includes all of the people in this world Filled with anger and hatred and bitterness and division on all sides, God is wishing that none should perish, 
but that all should come to everlasting life. We pray to God for His gracious willingness to be shown toward people who are under the wrath of God. We intercede. We have a job to do. Our job now is to be praying, not complaining, not whining, not taking a side, but praying for enemies and friends alike and for those who will never pray. Moses goes on, 33, 13, let me know your ways. You see, that's what happens when you go to the tent. You finally get there and you find priority. The first priority is you say, Lord, I want to know your ways. I want to know more about who you are. I don't come in my pride with my list of things somehow that I'm putting before you. You see, I come to seek God's face, not His favors. I come to seek God's face, not His favors. Moses said, 33, 13, let me know your ways. Moses asked, go with us and lead us. He says these astounding words in 33, 15. If your presence does not go with us, don't lead us from here. Don't, don't let us go without you. He appeals to know God and for His gracious presence to be among the people. That's the way we pray for revival for our church and for the world. We pray, and what did God say? 33, 14, my presence will go with you. God said, I will do this thing because you have spoken and you have favor in my sight. You see, the righteous man or woman prays and God hears them. He asked in 33.18, show me your glory. What an astounding statement. In the midst of the wilderness and Moses, he would set up as his practice the tent of meeting. Now whether he's on the mountain or whether he's in the tent of meeting, the cloud of God would come to the tent door of where he was meeting. Whenever he entered the tent, verse 9, the pillar would descend and stand at the entrance and the glory of it was so great, verse 10, the people would worship God from their tents because God was speaking to Moses. Show me your glory, and God said, 33, 19, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you and I will be gracious and show compassion on whom I will show compassion. This is how we pray for revival. This is what we do. Separation. A practice of praying. A persistence in my praying, not for God's favors for me, but for those who will never ask. We intercede for others. We seek direction from God and leadership. We put before Him all of our plans and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? We desire to know more. Do we desire to know God more intimately? So there is a single tent in the wilderness that reminds us that we must seek God in a private place in this world that is a wilderness today. That's where we are. And that's what we must do. So how do we apply this to our lives? What things should we remember from this? Well, I have just a few. First of all, this seems rather obvious, but I say it to you. Those who know God best seek Him most. They don't need this sermon from Pastor Mike. They already do it. And they are enriched. And they are at peace. And they are strong because they know how to seek God in the private place. I wish it for you all. Those, those 
who know God best, seek God most. You have to decide where you are with that. When I know who God is, revealed to me in the Lord Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit, I want to know Him more. I want to be with Him. It is the great pursuit of your life to seek and to know God. When you seek God in humility, He will meet you in mercy. Look, the Lord withdraws when you come with arrogance and pride and you're praying. When you just come with your list. By the way, God, thanks for meeting with me. I'm really busy today, but i got about four things for you here today. What kind of approach to God is that? You see, when I seek God in humility, I seek His face. When I seek to have a relationship with God, I didn't come with a list. I came to have a relationship with Him, to draw near to Him. He meets me in mercy. He asked me what I need. What did the Lord say to those dear people who came to Him with all their troubles? You remember what He said? What would you have me to do? What would you like for me to do for you? This is the graciousness of God. We come to meet Him. You see, God, Psalm 145, 18. Listen, I'm I'm trying to encourage you, my friend. God is near to all those who call on Him. He's near to those who call on Him. He's near that gracious presence of God. God hears and responds to whom? The prayers of the righteous. That's what Proverbs 15, 29 says. He'll always hear the prayer of the sinner to be saved. But He hears your prayers, righteous ones. He hears your prayers. You see, revival comes through prayer. I wanted to add one that I didn't get on the screen, but it's very important. It goes with all of this. It goes with this pattern that Moses had. Now now Moses used to take the tent, pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. Here's Here's my last one for you. We live as we pray, and we pray as we live. Moses lived to pray, and he prayed to live. Is that true for you? Do you live to pray? And do you pray to live? There's a tent. It's a half a mile from the camp. You've got to practice going out and meeting God and you've got to persistently do it. You've got to go to seek His face. And that's what the church must do in these days in which we live. It is the call of God. Separate yourself and come speak with me. Come pray. Come seek my face. Come be with me, church. Come be with me is what the Lord says to us. So what do we do do with all of this? What is it that we use in our lives? Well, it's obvious. Set an appointment with God. I call it daily use. What do we do with all of this? Well, we must seek an appointment with God each day and go to the tent of meeting. We have to go to the tent of meeting. You've got to make an effort to go there in your daily use, in your daily time. You must expect God to answer you as you pray. And you must intercede for others and seek God's direction and desire to know Him better. His daily use for us are these things so that we might be God's people. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you. Did you hear it? Call to me and I will answer you. Now, Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. 
And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp.